You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It is episode 100 of the podcast. Can't believe we're here with 100 episodes in. Just about it. I guess it's uh, about our second season. So we've been churning them out. We wanted this one to be a little more celebratory with a victory in Turin. Roma didn't get that, but they did get a draw, uh, a hard-fought draw in the end. One that keeps the Giallorossi unbeaten through three matches. So I know it wasn't the most enjoyable match to watch, guys, but got to feel pretty good about seven points through three matches level with uh, all the leaders in the league. First of all, yeah, 100 episodes. And I mean, I've been around for most of them. I feel like Steve's been for here for all of them. So we, this is this has been his baby. So I feel like we got to congratulate him a little bit on the on the milestone. And let's look to 100 more. Uh, and as for being, you know, joint first place with six other clubs, because there's se- there are seven clubs, right? I, I think it's all, seven, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's way better than being being eighth right now. I can tell you that much. Um, and I'm reasonably happy with how far this how the season's gone so far was this weekend's match pretty no but i think you're we're gonna all have to remember as much as roma could have done a whole lot better um on saturday that there is a certain element of Mourinho's style of play where he is much more comfortable playing ugly football to at least get the point than many other managers might be so yeah um and just to you know continue the comments on the 100th episode i think you know huge that uh, we're still churning out strong i think it's probably almost a year to the day since um i started coming on these so uh you know a double, little double anniversary for me on that end and then in terms of the game i know last episode i mentioned how a win would potentially springboard uh romans and having a dominant first half of this season and a loss or a draw didn't really matter as much but now that we have the draw and after that performance, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh now we're now we're doomed to relegation. 
Well, not not necessarily. I won't go that far, even though I'm tempted to. But um, man, that was as deflating as of a draw against Juve in Turin as it possibly could have been. Um, the guys know this already, but around the 38th minute, I just turned the game off in frustration and didn't turn it back on until Steve uh, in our group chat let, let us know that Tammy had, um, you know, equalized. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll come back and see what these guys can do for the rest of the match. But um, it's, you know, at the end of the season, we're going to look back and eat. we could argue that uh, it was a missed opportunity given the form that Juve and were at the, were in at the time, but, um a point away to Juve is never really a bad thing particularly with in the context of our overall record there so I guess I can't complain too much but man that first half was brutal yeah it's one of those like you said we'll look back at it either as two missed points where Roma misses out on something at the end of the season by two points you're like wow Juve really had a lot of injuries and wasn't playing well before the season I remember saying you know first six matches Juve's the only tough match that we get a point in turn and win the other five you know 16 points to start the season looks pretty good. And now, you know, the way this match played out, there are some things we'll talk about where it was a bit disappointing. I went in with the same mentality that Mourinho had in his press conference saying, we're going here to win. I thought Rome was fully capable of winning and it was deja vu all over again. Like we talked about so many times last year, Brandon, you kept saying, if only Roma could start a match against a big team, not falling behind in like the first 10 or 15 minutes, they were behind in the second minute in this one. Uh, just an awful giveaway by Spinazzola. One of the guys maybe you don't expect to make that kind of play. One of the veterans who's been around, who's been in these big matches before. Giveaway in the middle field, and then it forced Matic in his first Roma start just a minute in to foul. Uh, I forget if it was Quadrado who stole the ball, but I didn't think, I said to Jimmy off the air before, I didn't think Vlaovic had that in his arsenal to curl a shot off the underside of the cross, crossbar from, I guess it was about, 20 25 meters out it was a it was a beautifully struck free kick couldn't have asked for any better from a, a Juve perspective or just from a football perspective but man what a terrible way to start the match yeah I was um so I agree I didn't think that Vlaovic had that in his wheelhouse um but I distinctly remember I was watching the game with my girlfriend and uh he was lining up and I'm like this is going in and sure enough you know uh top of the post and in couldn't have drawn it up any better. And that's, and that's always seems to be the case in these big matches, whether it's um, against Lazio or Inter last season, where within the first five minutes, you're already down and the the game plan goes out the window. And um, I think probably going into this match, Roma thought that, you know, this was the one that they could get against Juve. And then when you start out like that completely takes the wind out of your sails. And then we get that first half that we got. Yeah, it was it was a poor first half, huh, Jim? I mean, Roma just looked lost. I don't know how they got to half and only one nothing. If, you know, Juve had their full contingent, I would have been very frightened that we could have been down two, three goals like we've seen in some of these other matches, especially, I think, of Inter last season. It was, it was a yeah. tough watch in the first half. It was definitely the toughest watch that I can remember from, you know, maybe the past several months, at least, of, of uh, Roma football. Not including the summer break, obviously. I'm talking like like if we go back to last season, including. Um, Vlahovic is a world-class talent. There's a reason why he was nominated for uh, the Ballon d'Or. He is a world-class talent. And players like that have things like that in their back pocket that they don't necessarily always get to show off. 
And honestly, in my opinion, one of one of the things that really bums me out about Vlaovic at Juventus is that it really seems like they're not using him to his full potential. Like they've got a Ferrari and they don't really seem to be giving it the right gas to actually let it go. Um, I would say that it's pretty expected that when a team gets, you know, punched in the gut like that within 120 seconds of play, uh, that it's going to be hard for them to necessarily, you know, get back up again. Given that, I'm not surprised by how the first half played out. If anything, I'm more surprised that we walked away with any points whatsoever. Because if you have to remember, I mean, like, sure, we can talk about the matches where things started poorly and ended poorly for Roma last season. But the inverse was also true, that when we won, it was often, like, when we won against bigger clubs, it was often by seizing the moment very quickly. Uh, I'm thinking of the Atalanta match. I'm thinking of the Lazio match. When you're playing a big club, what hap- if something happens in that first five minutes, it can be crucial. And I would say that that's basically what happened here. I'm going to be optimistic and say that I hope that we're in a good enough position at the end of the season that we'll be ruining this as two drop points. Uh, I, think, I think that there are still enough positive signs about where Roma's headed this season that I think that we will be thinking about top four. Uh, in fact, if we hadn't gotten any points... Obviously, I'd be a lot more concerned. I think that the fact that we clawed back a point is actually a really positive indicator that we looked that bad and still drew uh, is great. So that's kind of my take on it overall. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it felt like a point stolen, really, from Juve. More than two points dropped, if you look at it from that perspective. And just looking at the first half stats, Roma actually won the possession battle 51-49 just slightly. But the shots, Juve 10 shots, three on target. Roma three shots, just one on target. It was a, a fairly routine effort from Pellegrini if I remember correctly but the XG didn't favor Juve by that much 0.42 to 0.36 Roma very fortunate to go into the halftime even according to Mourinho at one nothing in fact he said you know he was asked in his pre-match press conference about the attitude being different in the second half we'll get to the the changes in the second half but he was actually quoted as saying I was telling assistant manager Foti on the bench that we should pray the first half finishes one nothing I told the players to take advantage of that good fortune to still be in the game even after that. Sometimes you can be a bit overrun, but even then you can manage the game a bit and we didn't even manage it. It was pure luck. It was one nothing at the break. So Roma needed that luck, obviously, to stay in the match and, and say that they did. But interestingly enough, Mourinho said to his players at the half, I feel embarrassed to be your coach. I mean, we know Mourinho could be a straight shooter. And I guess sometimes you need that, that brutal honesty, right? You got to fairly veteran group for the most part with guys like Smalling and Pellegrini and Dybala. And he told them like it is, you, you guys basically played terrible. And I was embarrassed by the performance. I think Romanisti were embarrassed by, by the performance, just like Mourinho was. And he made a tactical change. He did switch to a four man back line, which we had talked about uh, in the summer that he had mentioned. It was a possibility pulling Mancini and um, Spinazzola for Zalewski and uh, El Sharari, If I remember correctly, were the two subs. And things changed a bit, attitude-wise and and the way the, the match played out. Yeah, I would 100% agree that that change was crucial. Um, and, you know, if Mourinho agree, it says, says that I'm, I'm basically, you know, going to have to agree with him. He's got a little more experience with this than I do. Um, but still, I would say that one of my big takeaways as, you know, a big Zalewski fan is that it's kind of impressive that he's now the guy that they throw on in case of an emergency if he's not starting. Uh, I think that that 
says a lot about where Mourinho and the club writ large see him going, that they felt very comfortable with throwing him on against Juventus down a goal um, and made that change happen. As for Mancini coming off, I mean, I think that it's never, I I think that something the players are going to have to learn this season, especially as we get more depth with Zaniolo back with Wijnaldum coming back. I think the timeline is probably December or January for that uh, round the World Cup. Uh, I think that people are going to have to understand that being pulled in a match, if the match isn't going poorly, doesn't mean that you're never going to get to play again. Like rotation is going to happen. Tactical adjustments are going to happen. I've been seeing a lot of comments everywhere in the Romaverse about who's going to start. Is someone going to rot on the bench? Nobody's going to rot on the bench. There are rumors about El Chirawi, who I would think wouldn't get very many minutes, especially with Zeniel healthy. But even with Zeniel not healthy, I wouldn't think that he'd be playing that often. And there are suggestions that against Monza on Tuesday, uh, he's going to get them. He's going to get the start. So I, I we're we're playing enough matches that rotations are going to happen. That if you have poor form, someone else might come in halfway through the match, and that's just a fact of life. And it's good that Rome was in a position to be like that. Yeah, and I would just add that um, going back to Mourinho's comments, I think last year, if those particular comments had come out post game, I think a lot of people have been like, oh, like. How could Mourinho say that to the players? He's, you know, going to demoralize them and everything that's going to go down from hill, downhill from there, classic Mourinho, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think the key point in those quotes that we heard after the match was that um, he also mentioned that the players were ready for him to say something to that effect. They know what the deal is and um, they know how to react from there. So I think, yeah, you can criticize criticize um the motivational tactic itself but it's something that the players are um obviously receptive to to a degree um especially because they know that there's results behind it going back to the conference league win and um they knew they you know pooped the bed against Juve that they, they didn't need to um I, I think that those quotes are exactly what they probably needed to hear. And the second half performance showed that. Um, And I'm going back to Zalewski real quick. I think that this match might be the turning point in who starts between Spinozzolo and Zalewski. I don't know. I don't think it'll be an immediate shift um, right to Zalewski, but I think going forward, Mourinho might be more inclined to go with Zalewski in some of these bigger matches because as good as Spinazzella is and has been, he looked really off the mark against Juve, just giving away possession time and time again, going, you know, starting off right from the get-go. That led to the Vlaovic free kick. Um, And when Zalewski came on, I missed that initial, you know, 20, 25 minutes that he was on. But when when I tuned back into the game, he looked sharp and was getting past his man pretty fairly easily. Um, and I think there's just a bit more comfort in that role compared to Spinazzola, given that Spinazzola is restored, essentially recovering from his Achilles tear suffered at the Euro. So I think going forward, I wouldn't be surprised if Zalewski might get the nod in some of these bigger matches. But, um, as Jimmy was saying, there's going to be enough minutes to go around for everybody. Yeah, there'll be plenty of minutes. It's good to see that, uh, you know, he was able to go to Zalewski and El Shirari felt comfortable enough with those players to, to make a change that 
affected the match. Mourinho himself said, you know, it wasn't my tactics that won the match or not won the match, but won the second half. It was a change of mentality. And that's something I think you make a good point there, Brandon, is that last season, if it was the third match of the season and he said this out loud in the press, people would have been a little bit taken aback even, you know, by it. But now, like you said, the players see the results are there. They won the conference league, the Bodo match. He came out and, really took it to his team and that kind of turned things around in, in the conference league last year and got them motivated there. And he's a coach with credibility. He's won plenty that players aren't going to question his, his motives and his tactics. I was talking to Jimmy beforehand and he said, yeah, you know, if this was Fonseca or somebody else, they might be afraid to lose the, the dressing room. Mourinho doesn't have to worry about that. He's, he's got everybody in line. And, you know, he did mention that not having Zaniolo, not having Wijnaldum, it was tough to make some of these substitutions. He, you know, he in classic Mourinho fashion said Allegri, even with all his problems, could still bring out players like Milik and McKenny. So, you know, kind of just still hinting at the Mercato that's still unfolding. That, that's classic Mourinho. But um, Jimmy did mention Mancini having to get pulled. And Mourinho basically admitted it. You know, that was down to circumstance. He says it was tough for me to take off Mancini because, in my opinion, the three center backs were all victims of some horrible play from the wide players and central midfielders. We kept making mistakes even after we conceded. It was a horrible first half. Um, happy in the second half that they were well set up tactically, but did well. It's an important point for us. And as I've said, it's not a bad thing to avoid defeat after a first half like that. Zaniol's a big loss for a game like this. He has the strength to find ways behind, but I think with that, we will be okay without him for another three weeks. Um, big takeaway for me there is the defense did play well. The defense didn't concede much in the end. Juve's XG was only about 0.6. So that means the second half was, less than quarter goal conceded in terms of XG. You look at the final stats and Juve actually only finished the, the match with 14 shots, three on target. So no shots on target in the second half, only four off target. Roma did turn it around pretty much uh, 180 in the second half and, and got the goal they needed through Abraham off a corner kick from Pellegrini back post headed across uh, or not rather not headed across, but brought down by Dybala and he kind of sideways kicked it yeah, bounced it off the turf to Tammy and Tammy headed it home to get the point. But before we get to them combining for the goal, let's just talk about the defense. I mean, the defense didn't give up a lot. The defense has given up one goal in three matches and really didn't look that much in danger outside of when possession was given away in front of them. And, and I thought small and Ibanez had a great match. I got to also point out that that goal, if you're going to give up a goal, you're giving up a goal like that, right? Like, like we've had a pretty airtight defense so far, yeah. even with withstanding that goal. And that goal was just, no one was going to get that. I'm sorry. That was a great, fantastic piece of play. Uh, Smalling has probably been our best player so far this season. I think I'm, I think that's fair to say he had a man of the match level performances, both against Juventus and last week. So I would say that, our defense has been our calling card, which is kind of surprising to me just because of how much talent we have in the attack. But also, we've got seven points, so it's not like anything has been terrible except for, again, this first half that we had. Yeah, just to throw some numbers out, John, Smalling and Ibanez, Smalling had 11 clearances of the team's 37. Uh, the next best player had four. There was a couple guys with four. And Ibanez, 14 ball recoveries of the team's 57. The next best player is uh, Matic with seven. So really superb performance from those two yeah and um we all saw in the match that smalling was starting to get under blavich's skin a little mm -hmm. bit there i don't know if if blavich is always a hothead like that i don't watch enough uva matches but clearly getting a little annoyed at small um shutting him down there and i was 
saw some people on Twitter discussing the fact that that free kick aside, if Roma didn't concede that, it kind of would have been one of those typical Mourinho smash and grabs where they score a goal and kind of hold on for that one nothing uh, win. And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily would go that far just because with how poor they were in the first half and Mourinho's own comments about how Roma were lucky to have only conceded one in that first half. I don't think, um, you know, we can necessarily say that it, free kick aside, it would have been one of those classic wins. But I think uh, as Jimmy was mentioning, Smalling has been our best player thus far this season. And when he's playing lights out, it gives Abanez and Mancini confidence to do their respective things. Um, and so that's when, you know, we're able to shut down some of these, these um, threats that are, um, that you may have at their disposal. Yeah. You wonder how the match would have played out differently if they didn't concede so early, but the concerning part is, yeah, the goal was conceded and then it was the response that lacked. Right. And that's why the, the first half was so poor, because if they don't give up that goal, maybe Vlavic puts it over the bar. Okay. Spinazzolo lets out a sigh of relief. Matic lets out a sigh of relief for their mistakes and, and everybody just moves on and, and maybe Mourinho's game plan works. Right. We don't, we will never know that we've seen it happen so many times that everything kind of gets thrown out the window and, it was the response that was really the concerning part. And the Allianz Stadium has been a house of horrors for Roma. They had lost 10 of their last 11 there. The only win was that second to last match of the 2020 season when Juve already had their Champions League place secured. And it didn't really mean much. So it meant more for Roma than it did for Juve. And it, 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 it's still not a win. But I guess when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's a positive compared to what we've seen in the past. Um one highlight was, like I mentioned, the goal. Tammy finally got a goal, assisted by Dybala, corner kick from Pellegrini. Those three all connect to, to make that goal happen. Really nice goal in the end, uh, especially on Dybala's part. Really, really nice play by him. Yeah, I'll, going going back, looking at the goal, it's kind of all Dybala. I know Tammy had to be in the right position to to get that header, but that acrobatic, you know, kick back, get the ball back into the box. Um, not everybody can pull that off and that's the benefit of having a player like Dybala on your team, being able to pull moments like that out of the hat. And, um, you know, U of A's losses, Roma's gain in that department. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I mean, I was hoping he would score a goal. I'm sure all Romanese were hoping he would score a goal. I'm sure even some Juventini were hoping he would uh, maybe score a goal in a loss just to kind of stick it to management. If they were big Dybala fans, he didn't get the goal, but he got the big assist. He had a pretty decent game. Not didn't shine. You know, Pellegrini didn't shine. Abraham, Scored the goal, but didn't have the greatest match. Mourinho kind of called him out in the post-match press conference because not not conference, but the you know comments to the reporters where he said, "Yeah, I heard Tammy talking, but I didn't think he played a great game." And we have somebody coming in that hopefully will push him further. So you know, Mourinho expects more from Abraham, and I think uh, Romanisti after last season expect more from Abraham. So it'd be interesting to see how he, um, in particular, responds against Monza tomorrow. But um, for you guys, who? Besides the, the center backs, anybody else stand out for you? Who was particularly bad that, you know, we're going to have to see more from? I would also put Karsdorp in there. And maybe that's because Selleck, each time that he's played, that I've seen him, he's looked impressive. Like, I've just been visibly, like, impressed by him each time he's gotten on the pitch so far. I Mourinho mentioned Selleck as well in uh, his post-match comments. He said something along the lines of, Karsdorp, we were playing him every single match last season. 
that if Sella keeps playing like this, he might have he's going to have to worry about a starting spot, which, again, I think that's the mentality that we need if we want to succeed in a medium to long term sense with Mourinho, with this core, period. Um, we need there to be pressure for every starting 11 spot. And m- well, not every, but most. And I think that with Selleck coming in, it kind of emphasized the fact that Karsdorp was pretty poor uh, against Juventus. But again, I think that we have to remember that he was really run into the ground last season. And that has long-term effects on a player. I wouldn't be surprised if he had poor form to start the season and then rounded back into form as the season progresses and as Selleck rotates in more with him uh so yeah i would say cardsdorp disappointed me but also i know that the good player is there i've been officially converted to being pro cardsdorp which is saying something to me yeah i think for me um Selleck definitely stood out when he came on i think i definitely want to see more of him going forward um in terms of who left more to be desired obviously spinatola as we mentioned cristante um i don't know if that was the product of being in that double pivot with Matic where both of them aren't really as dynamic as you would want at least one of them to be. Um, but he in particular, I know drew the ire of a lot of Roma fans um, following the match. And then um, for me as well, Pellegrini wasn't great um, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think I'm trying to be, you know, as objective as possible here. And I think, <laughs> I think, though, that against the big sides, he just kind of has this tendency to disappear a little bit. And I don't know if it's just his style of play and how it clashes against some of the styles of these bigger teams um, and whether his game is more conducive to um, the smaller and the small sides, small to medium sides. But again, uh, you know, he had the opportunity with Zaniolo being out to really uh trying once again in that more forward position and did not do as well as many of us would have liked. And I think, um, so I think going forward, the, the pressure, the spotlight's really going to be on him to deliver in some of these bigger matches. Yeah, it was, it was probably his poorest game in a while. Um, I think even Pellegrini fans admit that he didn't have a, a great match and Cristante, I thought Cristante was poor throughout. I, I was making comments about him in our, our group chat. I thought he had one of his poor games in a while. And I think, him and Matic, it's tough for them to to pair together for the first time in a match like this, not really ever playing together very much. So, and again, neither one very, very fleet of foot. Um, not not the best fit for them. Spinozola, we mentioned, poor match. So not many players stood out. But um, just going back to the, the comment Jimmy said about what Mourinho said, it, and he basically said, we are waiting for important players to join us, not just for the bench and to change matches, but to provide competition and roles too. That happened today with the fullbacks. Last season, Karsdorp was the only one. But this season, there's Salik to come in if he is not okay. Same goes for Spinazzola in midfield up front. It's harder in big games, and I was worried about the impact of yellow cards. This point is not bad for us. So he hinted the, the midfield competition is coming. The you know Bellotti arrived yesterday, the day after the match. That competition is now there for Tammy. So I guess to close out this match, how much was Zaniolo missing a match like this? Because playing on the counterattack, I think this was a perfect type of match for Zaniolo to really – run out when Roma was just trying to, you know, hook the ball forward, get out on the counter, and maybe maybe he could use his physicality and pace against this Juve back line. So I disagree with Brendan's assessment that Pellegrini might not be a big match player. 
I think that's what he was basically saying. Uh, <laughs> but we all know we all know who our favorites and, and least favorite players are on the, <laughs> on the squad at this point. Um, however, if I was going to do accept that framing, I would say that I would put Zaniolo in the opposite camp. He's a guy who has always one of the reasons why he's so special is that he really seems to seize on those spe- those important games and even in a poor season like last season scored the deciding goal for Roma's first championship in decades. Uh, so I, he's the type of guy who can unlock big matches. And so of course it would have been very helpful to have him on the pitch. Even if you just take away the fact that he is one of Roma's most talented players. Uh, I'm optimistic that he'll be back soon. It sounds like the timeline is what three weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think he said he's targeting the Atalanta match now on the 18th uh, as the, the return date. Yeah, and for the people who are like, oh, this shows he's injury prone, it's a dislocated shoulder. I I, I can't I can't say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that it's true that we need people to be pushing for starting spots. At the same time, I don't think it'll be a big issue to have all of this attacking talent. It'll only be a good thing for Romo's aspirations for Champions League football, that we have so much attacking talent that will need to be rotated in and out as the season progresses. I think we get a different result, to be honest, if Zaniello's there. Um, I think Roma really struggled with Juve's press and um, mm-hmm. especially playing the ball playing the ball out from the back. So with Zaniello there, you have that vertical threat to get in behind Juve and kind of have that um, safety mechanism against that press. And we were lacking that pace in behind that, Zaniello provides and I think um that would have definitely made a difference in the match and I think the fact that he's the the target date for his return is Adelana is huge I think Roma can get by certainly um until then if you look at the schedule there's not really a big match uh that they have going on until that match so I think with the attacking talent that we have we should be more than fine to to get by and um it's a pretty favorable schedule so you know you can even um have a degree of hope that Roma go into that match undefeated and with the returning Zaniello, that's um a great recipe for success against one of our bogey teams the last few years. Yeah, it's it's certainly a favorable schedule up until Atalanta. It's Monza tomorrow. We're recording on Monday. It's a Tuesday match. Um Udinese on the weekend, uh Labor Day weekend here in the States, and then it's Udinese before that Atalanta match. So the opportunities are are definitely there. So before we get into the the last couple transfers of the season. How do you expect Roma to respond to Mourinho's criticism? Monza, last place right now. They've given up, I think, nine goals, the most in the league. What kind of response do we expect from the, the Giallo Rossi? I think it needs to be a dominant one. Um, we had the matches against Salernitana and Cremonese to start. We were expecting one of those four or five goal affairs and um, didn't happen. Got the one one nothing win back-to-back, but left more to be desired on the offensive end. And I think the Monza match is when you finally kind of break through and get that four or five goal performance that you've been um, yearning for. I am hesitant to predict that because I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid predictions because I feel like I jinx this when I predict, <laughs> I will say that I don't think that Monza's zero for three, zero points, negative six goal differential is actually indicative of who they are as a side. Um, I think that, they made some really great moves this summer. I I had them as kind of a surprise side. I definitely don't see them dropping again. So I could see this being a, cheap, a trap game. 
I could really see this being a trap game where a team that has had nothing go its way so far uh, meets a team that is tired and things start to turn out well for the small club. I'm hopeful. I think that a big win is needed um, to continue the good vibes, but I'm also very aware that it could very easily not go that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that we get the offensive response uh, from Roma and we get at least a couple of goals in this one from them. I, I agree with Jimmy that I, before the season said that they won't go down. I, I think they did a nice job of roster building. I think it's taking a little time because they brought in so many players to maybe get it to gel. There are some danger men like Vecina. Um, you know, you can never forget about Patania. He's not the, the flashiest forward, but he knows how to score goals. When If you, if you give him a chance, Stefano Sensi in the midfield, uh, former Roma Primavera man Caprari. So it could be a trap game if you, you know, lose focus. But the way Roma's defense is playing, I'm hoping that they can continue that. And then hopefully the offense gets going. Maybe Tammy gets a goal. Maybe Dybala can get on the score sheet and we get some some offensive action. I'm hoping maybe Bellotti gets thrown into the mix of the end just to get his feet wet. But it should be an interesting match. And I think, um, you know, then continuing that into Udine on, on Sunday, you know, just keep the, the ball rolling. And I'd love to see Roma go unbeaten into that Atalanta match with 16 points. We'll see if that happens. But I think the potential is there. The defense has been playing well, and now it's up to the offense to really get clicking. All right, so we'll move on. We won't hang on to the Moans match too much. since It's a quick turnaround. Many of you probably won't even hear this until after that match. But we'll talk a little bit about the transfer market. A few days left in the Mercato. It officially ends on Wednesday, the 31st. So we're about two days away from the close of the Mercato. Roma just signed free agent Andre Bellotti. You know, we were waiting for Bellotti to arrive for quite a long time. It turns out it's a one-year deal for about 3 million euros, I believe. And then there's a two-year performance-related option that Roma can exercise uh, based on sporting, you know, achievements from Bellotti. Not sure how many goals that might be or how many minutes he has to play. I didn't see any details. And I don't know if anything like that nature was released. But Bellotti finally arrives. And then with the injury to win Haldem, of course, the midfield we talked about last week becomes a priority too. And Roma has identified their man. There was about 45,000 names linked to Roma in the three days after the Winhaldum injury. But it turns out it's Mati Kamara from uh, Olympiakos in the Greek league. Not a, a player many of us know much about because um, none of us are really watching the Greek Super League, but does have plenty of Europa League experience and Champions League experience with the Greek side. I believe it was more than 60 plus matches when I wrote up the rumor report. Uh, I read up on him a little bit on breaking the lines. They had a player analysis from April of 2021 and his stars kind of faded a bit over the last year, but about a year ago, a little over a year ago, he was being lit, you know, dubbed the next uh, N'Golo Conte, which is a, certainly a flattering comparison for anybody who watches the premier league and champions league and watches Chelsea play. So with the arrival of Kamara, the arrival of Belotti, what, what do you guys make of these moves? I think they're great moves um, for different reasons. Uh, Belotti is a guy that a couple of seasons ago, many Romanisti were hoping would be our long-term Edin Dzeko replacement. To be able to get him on a free, as opposed to Urbano Cairo's insane 100 million euro valuation of him back in the day, uh, is an achievement. It's a good thing. It shows that Roma is a serious club that star players for club and country are interested in joining. Uh, I also think that, you know, based off of what I've read about the contract for Belotti, that it doesn't really require too much for him to get the contract turned into a three-year contract. So I'm not too worried about not keep up about losing him or whatever. Um, beyond that, I've also heard some people who are saying like, Oh, does this, what does this mean for Abraham? What it means for Abraham is that he doesn't have to get run into the ground. Um, it means that 
some matches he might play 60 minutes instead of 90 minutes. It means that some matches he might not play and Bilalti might get the start. Uh, it does not mean that he's losing his starting spot in the consistent starting 11. Be serious. Um, <laughs> sorry to be that dismissive, but like it, it'd be like saying we brought in Dybala. So like Lorenzo Pellegrini is never going to start again. Or like we brought in Dybala and so we're never going to play Zaniolo or whatever. Like these are all incredibly talented players who are going to play. Uh, as for the Kamara move, I read that um, Breaking the Lines review as well, and I was pretty intrigued. I don't think that you can lose so much in a year that you're suddenly not that guy anymore. I think that there were a lot of rumors about him being unhappy with the fact that Olympiacos wasn't letting him go, uh, which, you know, if we if you think about that in the context of your everyday life, if you were working at a job and they didn't let you move to a new employer, you'd probably not put in as good of a shift as he would otherwise. So I'm pretty optimistic that now that he's getting to move to a bigger stage with a lot of determination to, you know, become an even bigger player that we'll be getting a guy at the right time. Um, so on both moves, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I know that a lot of people think that a center back would also be a great signing. I'm a little less convinced that we need a center back uh, in addition, because I have a lot of faith in Marash Kumbula. And I know that we have a lot of interesting center back prospects coming out of the Primavera and so, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with this Mercado as it stands. We'll talk about it more when it's full, officially done. But if these are the, our last signings, I'll be very happy. Yeah, I think Jimmy nailed it with his Bellotti analysis. And I think the, all three of us are pretty happy with the move and uh, think it's a net positive either way. Um, as for Kamara, like Steve mentions, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching the Greek League at all. So <laughs> it's not a player that I've watched. Um but the 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 wealth of Champions League and Europa League experience is going to be crucial, um, and especially with um, the group stage games coming up pretty soon um, against lesser known opponents, that might be a great way for Mourinho to um, give Kamara a few starts while he gets acclimated, just because it's a competition he's you know sounds pretty familiar with. Um, I was all on board with all the analysis that Steve was uh, or the scouting report that Steve was giving on him up until uh, he dubbed, he revealed the next N'Golo Conte dub just because I feel like Roma has been burned many, many times by getting the next insert. Player. The Uzbek Messi. Yeah. Yeah. The Uzbek <laughs> Messi, the, the Turkish Messi. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of Messi's, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're a special club, man. We just attract all the off brand Messi's. <laughs> Yeah, so in that regard, I'm like, eh, we'll see how it goes. But I think, you know, overall, based on what I've what I've read and what I've heard, um, it's a it's a pretty shrewd move on Pinto's part. Um, I know some people are pretty lackluster on the quote unquote unknown players that Pinto's brought in thus far, but I think um given the amount of experience in some of these European competitions is it's probably assured that is you're going to get this late in the window for that position. Yeah. I'm Belotti. Like Jimmy said, he's there to provide competition for Abraham. He's a player I've liked for most of his career. I like his work rate. I love that. He, you know, he's a guy who has scored 20 plus goals in a season in Serie A for Twitter. You know, he's never played at a, a quote unquote big club, like one of the big seven clubs in Italy, seven sisters as they're often called. 
But I think this is a perfect time for him to do it now that he's 28 years old. He's still motivated to do well. He's not at the tail end of his career yet where he's kind of just here to collect a paycheck. I, I think he will really push Abraham to, to, to get better. And I think if there are times when Abraham's on a cold streak and he gets a bit hot, you'll see him start over Abraham on occasion. You'll see them paired on occasion. It gives Mourinho so many more tactical options, I think, because his pressing is really, really strong too. And that's one of his, I think parts of his game that Mourinho will love and probably why he's coming to Roma, even if he isn't starting matches, you bring him in in the 60, 70th minute for Abraham when Abraham starts to wear down and, and Belotti can press the hell out of the opposing defense in midfield and help win back possession, whether you're, you're chasing a game or whether you're trying to, you know, put a game away. So I think that'll be huge for Roma. Like just having that depth up front, which was not there last year because he was back. Messi was not, was not the answer. As we know, he is still around, uh, you know, Eldor Shamoradov. It was Felix Afenijan that left to make room for Belotti. We'll see if anything transpires with Shamordov in uh, the last couple of days, if there's a, a late loan move or something, because I'm sure he's going to want to go elsewhere for playing time. We'll see what happens there. On Kamara, unknown, like I said, until I you know read the scouting report and things, I never really watched Olympiacos, even in the Champions League or Europa League. I think I might have watched some of the, one of the matches against Atalanta last season and didn't even know who he was. You know, It wasn't like I was paying that close attention to them, but... You know, based on the scouting report from Breaking the Lines that I linked in the, in the rumor last week, if you want to find it, based on what they said his role was at Olympiacos, he seems to fit what Roma's doing right now tactically. You know, he's part of, um, really, they were playing like a 4-2-4, which is a little different than what Roma's playing, but he was one of the two defensive midfielders. His job was to, you know, distribute possession, free up Valbuena and Mvila to to function in more, you know, the, I guess you would say, uh, Metzala roles as you would have in a, a 4-3-3 like they're playing. It would shift to a 4-2-4 defensively, and Kamar would would be the one to break up play, you know, to cover for the fullbacks who push high. We know Roma's two uh, wingbacks push very high in Karsdorp and Spinazzola. He can distribute to those players. So I like what I've read about him. We'll see if he translates. And I think, like Brandon said, I think putting him in some of those uh, more low-key matches, maybe against Empoli in a couple weeks as a starter or in one of those Europa League matches against... Ludogretz or one of those teams or Helsinki might be a good way to to get some minutes under his belt without the the pressure of uh starting at you know the Allianz Stadium or against Atalanta for the first time so I think that he'll he'll be worked in sufficiently obviously it's gonna take a little time because midfielders need a little more tactical responsibility than maybe Belotti might need as a striker who's kind of just in there to press and try to get a goal but we'll see and and based on the rumor two-year um rather two million euro loan with an option to buy for 12 is not the end of the world for a player who's only 25 years old. It's kind of a no strings attached, like the Maitland Niles deal, where if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And same thing with the Oliveira deal. If it works out, 12 million euros might be, uh, you know, a, a bargain in the long run. We don't know. We'll see if it uh, becomes worthwhile for Roma. And I think even when, when Aldum comes back, having that extra midfielder doesn't hurt. Even if he becomes like your fifth or sixth midfielder, it just it adds that depth if you do go deep in the Europa League and the Copa. I think from missed that last season. Yeah, especially given you know the injury that one album is coming back from, you're not going to want to run him into the ground when, even when he's healthy and ready to go. So having that extra cover there is going to be invaluable for sure. Yeah, even if he makes it back for right after the World Cup ends, you know, after the holiday break and everything, and he's ready by January, and you have him for five months, you don't want to you don't want to run him into the ground and, and injure him you know, a muscle injury because he's out of shape from, from the, the leg break. So definitely going to need that depth. Um, as of right now, it doesn't look like a center back. Jimmy said he's fine with that. He likes Kambula. Kambula got some game time this, this match where uh, after Roma tied it, Marino shifted back and brought in that third center back. 
Brandon, are you okay with uh, no no fifth center back coming in? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know a few weeks ago that was one of the positions I was a little worried about just because of the four center backs for three spots. But um, especially if Mourinho goes back to the four two three one time, uh, you know, every now and then, I think Roma have sufficient cover there um, and. As long as everybody stays healthy, I think four man rotation is probably um, perfect for for this season. So, um, if by the winter market it's not lo- looking good in that department, then Pinto will bring somebody in. But for now, I think it's okay. Yeah, I think we can function without the fifth center back. I think I'd rather have the depth at midfield. Obviously, have Belotti coming in, and I, I'm sure Selic, if need be, in a three man back line, can play the right center back position. We've seen Karsdorp do it. Selic's even more defensively responsible than him. I think Spinazzola even did it under uh, Fonseca from time to time. And we know that Cristante is on it. So I think in a pinch, they have players that could fill in. But, you know, we saw they switched to a four-man back line. If they're down to two center backs for a match, wouldn't be surprised if Mourinho shifts back. I, I'm okay with no center back right now. I don't want to bring somebody in just to bring them in. So if the Mercato ends like this, we don't know about Shomorodov. Uh Diwar was linked to Lecce. Those links have cooled down. I saw that now they're looking at Acro instead. How do you grade Pinto's Mercato based on outgoing and incoming moves and, and the way Roma looks on, uh, what are we at, uh, August 29th today? I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, there are some exits that still haven't been confirmed that I'm really kind of getting anxious about. Uh, some players, but at the same time, that does seem like a difficulty for basically every major club right now, getting rid of the players that they don't need or want. So I can't be too upset about that. He's been incredibly economical with who he's brought in and how he's brought them in. A lot of free agent signings or loans that are really enticing. Um, and that's what we need to do considering we don't want to be in a position again where we feel like under the gun have to sell for 50 million euros like a Zaniolo type or a whoever. And the fact that we kept Zaniolo around, the fact that we've kept a lot of our players around that we want to keep around also brings his grade up further. Uh, so yeah, I'd put it actually closer, maybe to a B plus, A minus, like a ninety out of a hundred. Uh, and if all of this sets us up so that in the long term Roma won't be worrying about things like having to sell Tammy Abraham or Nicolo Zaniolo, then it'll be you know fantastic in the long run. Yeah, I think any market that you can bring in, uh, DiBala, Balotti, and win all them injury to one all them aside, at minimum it has to be an A minus. And I think overall, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, I think it would be far and away an A-plus, but with the Deadwood that's been sticking around, whether it's, you know, Korich or Bionda or Diawada um, or Shomorodov, these these players that definitely need to be moved on, I think that's that's what's keeping it from being that A-plus that it should be. But um, with a couple of days left in the market, we'll see how that goes. I would be surprised if any of them get shipped out, shipped out. I think... That's probably the reason that uh, Fenegian was the sacrificial lamb in order to bring Balotti in. Um, I think I, I'm more, uh, I feel stronger about that theory um, than I did last week after seeing, um, you know, how, how the market's been shaping up towards the end. But I th- yeah, so I think, I think, you know, we're probably going to stand pat and ho- hopefully move some of these guys on in the winter market if possible. But um by and large, A minus with a lot of the additions that Pinto brought in. Yeah, I agree. A minus. When you bring in Dybala, Belotti, Selic, um, Winhaldum, and you're really spending with 
if the Camaro loan is 2 million euros, you're only spending 9 million euros uh, in terms of expenditures on, on the Mercato, not including obviously agent commissions for these free free agent players that are brought in and and salaries. I think it's a great Mercato. Yeah, Dior is here, but guess what? He's he's had his heels dug in for a while now. If he can move him, great. If not, I guess it is what it is. Uh, we'll see what happens with Shamorodov. To me, he doesn't have to leave. He just becomes that extra, extra depth and maybe some, maybe a, you get into deep in a, the Europa League and you have a throwaway game at the end of the group stage or something, throw him some minutes or something, or if you're really shorthanded against somebody, he could be a spark off the bench. I'm sure he's still going to be motivated to try to earn a move elsewhere at the very minimum. So I'm going A minus. Other than those contracts that are lingering, like the guy said, you can't act, expect more out of Pinto when you're trying to to work on the budget with the financial fair play issues and everything as Roma's trying to really just balance the books. And man, Roma's been trying to balance the books for a long time. They've never had a window like this that I can remember with a high profile player like Dybala, guy like Belotti in his prime. It's not like young speculative buys like Lamella who come good. They're, these are guys who are established. So I'm going A minus. Guys, hopefully we'll be back probably not till next week with two victories and maybe Roma sitting, you know, on 13 points. So Anything else you want to leave the listeners with before the Monza and Udinese matches? Rotation is good, except rotation as a good thing in your life. Don't don't think that if your pl- favorite player doesn't play for one match, especially against the smaller side, that they're in the doghouse. Please just be a little calmer than you might be usually. I'm gonna and thank and thank you for a hundred episodes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Yeah, that, that certainly goes without saying. So thank you guys for listening. And um, to close, I'm just going to double down on Steve Jinx and, um, you know, say two wins are coming this, over the next week. <laughs> yeah, like like the guy said, thank you again for listening to 100 episodes of us ranting uh, or some combination of us ranting. And, uh, you know, keep keep tuning in. Hopefully we can keep growing the podcast. I'm sure soon enough we'll have another listener Q&A with uh, International Break at the end of September. We'd like to interact with you guys. And, Forza Roma, and hopefully six more points next time we see you guys.